When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If, 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 if your blood runs orange and blue, orange and blue, blue this, this is the pod, is the for, pod you. for you. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods, hosted by EJ Stewart. Let's get to it, New York. Oh, is this episode major? What's up, guys? This is EJ Stewart. You are listening to Orange and Blue Bloods, a New York Knicks podcast and Odyssey WFN original. We got a lot to talk about on this show and we have a mega guest on the show so we'll introduce them in a second we're talking about Knicks preseason basketball we got a Celtics game coming up on Tuesday we also got obviously a a, a game that happened over the weekend between the uh, the Knicks and the T-Wolves we'll discuss that and a lot of news stories coming out of that uh with the cat stuff we got stuff on Evan Fournier um so plenty to get to of course do a little bit of a a forecast with our guests uh, for the season and what exactly is going on with this Raptors Knicks lawsuit? There was an update in that situation as well. So we'll have all that and more right after this. Like I said, this is EJ Stewart listening to Orange and Blue Bloods, a Knicks, pod, a Knicks podcast, Odyssey WF and Originals so podcast. You can get wherever you get your podcast, including the free Odyssey app. Be sure to hit the auto download feature on your streaming service. Get these episodes every time you drop. And we have a very special guest on Orange and Blue Bloods. He is the founder and host of Knicks fan tv on youtube he's also the creator of the nba report on youtube and a host on wfen where i work and sirius xm nba radio let's give a warm welcome to cp the franchise cp thank you so much for coming on the podcast really, really not awesome a problem man happy to be on absolutely thrilled to be on man and one of the reasons i really wanted to have you on was because you really have a, a great pulse of kind of the fan base I, I i don't know how you feel it feels like it, it, we're kind of hitting maybe i don't say a fever pitch because i think there's a next yeah. level that this franchise can get to but there's a groundswell of optimism going into a season that i haven't felt in a long time maybe you go back to the year post the uh the con the, the semi-final loss to the pacers with mellow in them but it, it just feels like there are a lot of nick fans looking at the situation looking at what the team is at and feeling like the light's at the end of the tunnel how do you anticipate how the fans are feeling right now with where the season's going? Yeah, well, anytime you have a season like the Knicks did last year where, I mean, 47 wins, second round of the playoffs, two games short of the Eastern Conference Finals, you yep. had an all-star in Julius Randle, all-star caliber play from Jalen Brunson, who may have been a revelation to a lot of Knicks fans. And you put that together with Emmanuel quickly, six-man-of-the-year campaign. The Knicks had an outstanding year last year, and there was nothing short of that. And so to go out like that against the Miami Heat where – Jalen Brunson was a superstar on that stage, but, you know, just at the final buzzer, they couldn't execute and you lose to your rivals like that. Expectations are going to go up. And with the way that this team looks with young talent, two all-stars, Dante DiVincenzo being added to the mix. I feel like there is excitement with the fan base because even though I think most Knicks fans understand where the ceiling is for this team, right? They're not a true championship contender yet. We are confident that this team is going to play competitive basketball. They're going to play spirited basketball and led by Jalen Brunson. They're going to be exciting as well. Why do you feel beyond just because we've seen the last few times, like again, in you know, 2013, you have a situation where you go to the, the conference, to the conference semifinals, you were the number two seed in the East, you get bounced early. And then the next year you don't make the playoffs. We saw yeah. what happened in the post kind of post COVID year. Randall has that great year. You had the fourth seed, you get bounced by the Hawks. Next year, they fall apart. Why do you feel like fans feel this time around? And why maybe you feel this time around yeah. that it's going to be different? It was disappointing to see that 2013, not even t- that 2013 team, not even make the playoffs. But yeah. I think most understood that the team that they had the year before that, that 2012, 2013 team with those aging veterans, most of those guys broke down as the season progressed. You figure that that team as it stood wasn't sustainable. 
right now what Leon Rose and and, uh, and his regime are doing year after year is they're slowly bringing in players that fit Tom Thibodeau's mold. And the Knicks, they have a young team. They have an exciting team. They have a bevy of assets and, and draft capital that they could deploy in a trade, even though they haven't drafted players in two years. They still have yeah. that cachet from a salary cap perspective. I mean, you look at all the salaries on their books right now. They're doing very well. And so th- with the way that they are competing on the court, it just seems like this team is built to sustain year after year after year and hopefully improve over these years until they're able to land that big fish that can certainly take them over the over the top. What do you feel like this team's ceiling is this year? We know, as you said, and I agree, would not say they're a championship contender per se, but what is their ceiling? Can they get further than they did last season? Yeah. Do you feel like Boston and Milwaukee kind of have an, an iron, iron claw kind of grasp of those you know conference finals uh spots what do you what do you how do you see this shaking up yeah well there's no question on paper at least boston and milwaukee both look strong i think the cavaliers certainly deserve some respect even though the knicks uh ousted them last year in the playoffs in a gentleman's sweep but i do believe that this team still has a second round ceiling and depending on the matchups and depending on how things go maybe they can make it to the eastern conference finals but that's the line that i'm drawing for this team stranger things have happened maybe they they overachieve and and go way past that or unfortunately a regression is certainly possible as well but i'm sticking to similar spot where they finished last year second round potentially eastern conference finals yeah, I always feel like to me, it's so important to kind of put yourself in the mix of a team that can advance in the playoffs. Because as you said, anything can happen. Because yeah. we've seen injuries happen. We've seen teams blow up kind of unexpectedly where you don't, you know, anticipate, you know, a team um, like the Milwaukee Bucks last year in the first round, have the injuries, have right. the Mike Golden, Golden Holzer kind of just, you know, falling apart. And he was dealing with a lot of personal issues. So yeah. I, Want to make sure I be clear about that, but like there were a lot of things that just didn't didn't go well for the Bucks, and all of a sudden they're out of the first round. Now the Heat, yeah. you know, they beat the Bucks. They see a Knicks team that they realized was a favorable matchup for them, and then all of a sudden they're they're in the NBA Finals. So I think for the Knicks, avoiding that regression is so important because you just don't know what kind of opportunities may be available once you get to the postseason. Knicks had an opportunity, I yeah. thought, to get to the conference finals last year, given they were facing an AFC. How do you feel like the Knicks? can avoid that kind of regression yeah. this season? What are the things they're going to have to do to make sure that they don't fall back into the play-in tournament or, dare I say, miss the playoffs yeah. or even the first-round exit? Well, for one, avoid a slow start, as they did last year, right? They put yeah. themselves behind the eight ball. By early December, they were already three games under five hundred. And, yes, a lot of things went well for them. They gelled. They made the acquisition for Josh Hart, and things really came together. They were on a 54-win pace after that. And so – Things came together, but you you can't rely on that every year. So I believe what they're going to have to do is start off strong and start on the defensive side of things because as an NBA season has ebbs and flows, your offense is going to come and go, but your defensive effort and intensity has to lead the way. And so for them, if you look at the first 10 games of that schedule, it's pretty tough. They're starting oh, yeah. off. They have two in, if, against the Celtics in those two game in the ten game stretch. They have two back to backs against the Cavaliers in that ten game stretch. They see Damian Lillard and and Giannis in that stretch as well. They got to go to New Orleans and play Zion and Brandon Ingram and those guys. So the schedule is going to be the pretty. Clippers come, Clippers come to the, the Garden Clippers, as well. They're not doing that stretch yet, right? And they're coming in early, so they're not coming yeah. in as the Los Angeles load management, right? This is going right. to be Kawhi. Exactly. This is going to be Kawhi and Paul George. At their at their freshness. So RJ is going to be tested and and uh, some of the, the Knicks wings as well. But, you know, avoiding that slow start, leading with their defense. And you're going to have to expect or hope for the same level of play from Jalen Brunson and, and Julius Randle. They have to be the Knicks uh, pace setters this season and, and play at an all star caliber level. Knicks fan TV CP, the franchise joins me here on Orange and Blue Blood. So uh, the Knicks have a game. Later tonight, we're recording this on Tuesday, so Tuesday night, game you may have already watched. Um, they did play over the weekend on Saturday. They dropped their second exhibition game of the preseason schedule against the T-Wolves, 121-112. We saw Nas Reed was really impressive in the minutes he played. It was only 19 minutes, but he had 22 points. He was raining threes at the Garden. I know something you talk about a bunch. Guys come to the Garden, all of a sudden, they, yeah. their jump shots are, are just wet. And that was the case <laughs> the for Nas yeah, Reed. Yeah, yeah. It happens every time. Uh, Anthony Edwards also uh, and Carl Anthony Towns, they had each had 17 points in the game. 
RJ Barrett was the game high leading scorer with 23 points. Jalen Brunson, they've been revving him up. Uh, he did played very little in the first game, played a little bit more in this game, scored nine points in 14 minutes. Julius Randle had seven points and eight rebounds. Deuce McBride actually ended up being the second leading scorer for the Knicks in that loss. Yeah. He had 16 points. He was four, four from three, which I think had to be a little yeah. encouraging considering that's been one of the missing pieces to his game. I want to start with RJ, though, mm-hmm. because in some ways, in some ways, he almost feels like the forgotten guy, which is kind of crazy because he's so polarizing. But because yeah. of what we've seen from Brunson, and there, I think there was a lot of hope prior to Brunson getting here that RJ would, would develop into that, you know, star or that at least cornerstone you can build around and add a superstar to. But then Jalen Brunson came here and all of a sudden he's that guy. Uh, how encouraging were was RJ's performance on Saturday and what are you expecting from him? Is there a situation where he could take a step up? and maybe his stats don't necessarily show it. Like, it just seems like for a team where Brunson's going to get his looks and Randall's going to get his looks, it's hard to see how a third guy really elevates his game. But I think the Knicks are going to get to their ceiling. RJ's going to have to take another step. Yeah, well, playing alongside those guys and playing off of those guys, the hope would be that RJ is able to knock down those open threes at yep. a 40 percent clip. That's what that's what he did alongside Julius Randle when they made the playoffs in, in the COVID shortened uh, fanless season. But for right now, what we saw last year is that the efficiency just wasn't there. And what I've been saying with RJ is that every player has weaknesses. But for certain players, you want to accentuate on his strengths. And for RJ, it's attacking the basket. And so there's things that he can do while he's attacking the basket to have him improve his game, like taking better quality looks at the basket. Don't just try to stuff it in with three guys guarding you, because if that happens, there's someone open. And what I've seen from RJ Barrett, from like the second half of the FIBA tournament on down is that on his drives, he's being a lot more methodical. He's being a lot more deliberate in terms of finding the open man, trying to find guys out on the weak side to knock down the open threes. He might be running on second units with Dante DiVincenzo or Emmanuel quickly. DiVincenzo, one of the top shooters in catch and shoot threes, especially from the corners last season. So you want to be able to tap into that. Uh, additionally, from RJ, knock down your free throws. You know, those are things that as a 19 points per game scorer, if you get more efficient from the free throw line, that can get you to 22, maybe 23 a night. And then you're you're sitting pretty. So for me, I don't I can't rely on RJ to be an efficient three point shooter. Right. We're going to have to see how the season progresses in that regard. But if he just doubles down on his strengths, takes smarter attacks to the rim, which is what Tom Thibodeau has been echoing for a while now. And making his free throws, uh, I think he'll be fine for the Knicks this season. Yeah, it's funny. RJ, looking at his free throws, I mean, he, he's never shot above 74% for his career. Yeah. Um, he he got 74% in 2021, that COVID shortened year that you mentioned. Then he dipped to 71% where his free throws really were an issue. Yeah. He got a little better last year, but he still was at 74%. And one of the things I've seen in these games where he's kind of shot okay, like the efficiency in terms of, Field goal percentage hasn't necessarily been there. Three-point shot still hasn't been there. It's a little alarming considering how well he actually shot during the FIBA tournament in terms of the three-pointers. He essentially had one, like, nightmare game, and he shot pretty much well the rest of the way. Yeah. Hope that maybe those threes will start to fall once you start playing. But uh, he's been living at the free-throw line. And I think that's, that's something it. for me that has been kind of missing in his game a little bit. I mean, he's so strong. He's so athletic. And, and not, I mean, he's not necessarily a, you know, a high leaper. But he is somebody that, that can be nifty around the basket. And, and I, I wonder why he hasn't been able to been, be a guy who can live at the line. Has he been avoiding contact to kind of avoid getting to the free throw line? During this preseason, I don't think he's missed a free throw. If he has, he maybe missed one. Yeah. He's been uh, money from the line. How, how much is that, do you feel like, yeah. an, an important part of his game? Very important. And it's what Tom Thibodeau said, even from last year, when you saw RJ Barrett play good games, Tom Thibodeau, when asked by the media, he would say, you know, he wants RJ to take better angles at the rim and not fade away on his attacks, you know, going strong, draw the contact and finish through contact is very important. So that's going to be a critical aspect of his game. And I think on top of that, his defense is going to be most important. Right, like yeah. offensively, we can, we can get by with some with some bad nights, but defensively, he's going to have to be on point. He's our tallest wing and almost the only true wing that we have uh, that the Knicks have on this team. So yeah. it's going to be very critical. He's going to be tested, as I mentioned, some of the matchups that he's going to be facing in these first ten games, whether it's Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Brandon Ingram. You might be put on Darius Garland in a, in a Cleveland matchup. 
that he, he might be on Giannis yep. or Chris Middleton. He's in that first 10 games is going to be a yep. gauntlet for RJ Barrett as well. Yeah. And the Knicks, the way their lineup is set up is kind of tricky because Brunson has to be hit on somebody sometimes, depending on the point guard is. Right. So Grimes can't take sometimes that top wing. Right. If you're playing as a right. team that has a top notch point guard. Brunson's not right. guarding that guy. That goes to Grimes. So you're right. Then RJ yeah. gets slid over to either, either a big time wing or if there's a wing that. Tibbs decides he wants Grimes on. That means guard. Yeah. Sometimes that means RJ's guarding a point guard and Boy, his guard. defense. I yeah, exactly. And I thought his uh, defense yeah. last year was very up and down. I thought he started off terribly, honestly. Yeah, I thought I, the whole team's defense picked up. I think his defense picked up later in the season. But I agree that's definitely something he's going to have to really hone in on. Yeah, certainly later in the season picked up and in the playoffs as well. We saw yeah. in the FIBA tournament where he was matched up on guards a lot of times. It's because with Team Canada, you would have Shea Gildas-Alexander, Dylan Brooks out there. So a lot of times he would have to guard a, a smaller guard. In a, in a Cleveland example, you may have a situation where you might have to put Quentin Grimes on Donovan Mitchell, put Jalen Brunson on Max Struess. And so R.J. Barrett's going to have to guard Darius Garland as he did in that first-round matchup. And then you have... Yeah. Paul George, Kawhi Leonard coming through. So it's it's going to be a tall order for him, for sure. I want to talk about Tibbs and Brunson here. Like, we, we've seen how Tibbs has handled the preseason minutes for Brunson, where, you know, it, essentially it's like the rest of the team has their time and, and the work they got to get in, and then Brunson kind of has his own time, which is very fascinating considering Julius Randle is the reigning All-NBA player, two-time All-NBA player, and reigning All-Star on this team, two-time All-Star but, you know, Brunson's on his own schedule and then everybody else is doing their own thing. I guess maybe Hart also had a day off, so maybe you blew him in there. But uh, do you support how Tibbs has handled Brunson's hand minutes so far in terms of kind of trying to ramp him up for the season? Yeah, absolutely. And he, and he knows Brunson well, right, Having with Jalen having grown up with, with Tibbs and, and Rick being a part of Tibbs' coaching staff over the years. So he, he knows Brunson. He knows how Brunson wants to prepare. And you have to remember, with Brunson and Hart, they already went through a training camp of sorts with Team USA sure. back in August in Las Vegas. Then they went through the FIBA World Cup, and those are intense games, as Tom Thibodeau was was quoted in the media as as, as saying and me watching i mean this wasn't you know all-star game preseason games this was this was intense with a lot of guys playing for country pride and so even though brunson and hart only locked maybe like 20 or so minutes per game they're at game speed they're at game shape and so i agree with tibbs here you know just let them kind of coast through into the regular season and he also mentioned that the reason why rj barrett conversely has been kind of getting a regular dosage of minutes he attributed it to age, saying yeah. RJ being 23. He pointed to Anthony Edwards getting a, a lengthy look in that preseason matchup and said it's more so an age thing uh, th- than anything else when, in, when he compared RJ to Brunson and Hart. So I, I find it very interesting where people criticize Tibbs for not digging into the numbers and running players into the ground. <laughs> yeah. But here we are. He, he's listening to whatever advice he's getting in, ter- in terms of their workload, load management. And and uh, and he's he's adjusting. It's funny watching Brunson during that FIBA was a whole experience because it became a Brunson versus Halliburton. There was a lot going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I know w- one thing that was I think evident for me was just holding my breath every time Brunson did anything uh, because just knowing how much it really everything's on him. For yeah, the yeah. He's you no, know, he's the most important player. Uh, the Knicks have been talking about, and it's something I've seen a bunch of the beat writers say, and I don't know if anybody on record has said it, but they almost seem to speak about Brunson as if they think he's going to reach another level of stardom. It almost reminds me a little bit of the year Steph Curry had before he went to becoming the MVP. Like that year, the first year they made the playoffs with Golden State, and you know they bounced Denver, and he became a kind of an all-star caliber player there. And then two years later, He's an MVP. The way they talk about Brunson, that's almost the vibe I'm getting. I say that as someone who's, you know, Steph Curry's my all-time favorite player, you know, one of my all-time favorite players at least. So that's what it reminds me of. Yeah. Do you think that there's another level that Brunson can get to where he goes from being just, a you know, all-star caliber guard to like a legit, like all-NBA first, all-NBA yeah. second team caliber player? The way the Knicks seem to suggest maybe there's a ceiling there for that? Well, I, I don't see why he couldn't. You know, I, I don't see why he couldn't. It really wouldn't surprise me if, if he hit that level. And that was one thing I heard from Fred Katz, who covers the Knicks for, for The Athletic. He said, yeah. you know, a lot of people who he spoke to internally uh, think that this this is not even it. And he feels like this is 
the guy who we saw tear teams up, especially in the second half of the season and into the playoffs, said that is the guy that we should expect to see during the regular season as well. And I, I think that would be terrific for the Knicks. He certainly deserves an all-star nod. I, I do believe that the all-star team should be, they should be expanding the roster spots mm. and he, he should have made it last year. No question about it. And, and the most interesting thing is that he went on a tear in the second half of that season with injuries. Yeah. He, he had a foot injury that the team, no one even knew what it was. And he, and he battled through it. And then he had the, the thumb injury as well. And when he came back from that yep. foot injury, he dropped 40 plus points on, on Donovan Mitchell and the, and the Cleveland Cavaliers. I mean, it was just remarkable to see up until the, the game six elimination against Miami Heat. He scores 41 points. So um, wow. just, just the guy he, he just reminds you of a 90s Nick who, who plays through injuries. He's gutty. And this the Knicks are, are Knicks fans are, are happy to have him. No question. I talked about it with Jared Dubin of CBS and of last night in basketball uh, early, last week on the podcast. And I, I like as great as that game was he had in game six that they lost to me. And maybe because I was in the building watching Jalen Brunson do what he did playing all 48 minutes in game five, mm. where he has Caleb Martin, who's six foot seven, super athletic. A lot of people don't realize yeah. how athletic yeah. that guy is pounding him 96 feet. No, 92 feet, how long NBA court is. And for him to have that performance, essentially a comeback win for the Knicks where they have to have, if they lose, I think the way you think about the entire season probably is adjusted. If you lose to five, in five games, a gentleman sweep to an eight seed, that would be really disappointing. Like that performance to me, like that sealed it to me, like this guy is something different. He yeah. averaged 31 points in that series, battling foot, ankle, thumb, all kinds right. of issues. Right. Brunson, right. Brunson showed he's special and, he, he kind of seems to me the kind of guy that, you know, we kind of see it in baseball where these players get to the postseason and they're able to just elevate their game to a different level. Yeah. Like Bryce yeah. Harper is already, a, you know, a star, a superstar in, in, in MLB. Should but have like, been a yes. Gosh, yeah, I know. I'm sure on the fan, you you would have said it, plenty of that uh, last weekend. But, yeah. like, you see a Bryce Harper, you see some of these guys that when the lights are the brightest, they just raise their game. and. This is beyond just what he did with the Knicks. We saw him do this with the Mavericks. And that's yeah, yeah. why I think if you're a, a Knicks fan or Knicks supporter or you're with that organization, I could see why you would say there's something here where this kid, uh, now he's a man, he's 27 years old. This guy can really uh, reach a, a certain level. And I could see yeah. why there's a lot of excitement there and why I have a lot of excitement for him. Uh, a little bit of a kind of a, a Knicks kind of a nerd thing to kind of look through, but you know, you're they got the Mr. Nick right now. Like, mm -hmm. this last roster spot thing is something, you know. We saw Isaiah yeah. Roby playing, we've seen uh Dylan Windler getting time. How do you expect the Knicks to kind of handle that final roster spot? I think it, for some fans, it's actually been very difficult to follow because they yeah. sign, cut. And then bring guys back, right? Different right. kind of contracts, like exhibit deals that people don't know what that is. They got to go to the NBA glossy, figure out what's going on. How do you expect the Knicks to handle this final roster spot that they yeah. have available? Well, it's interesting, especially when you look at the weakness, at least on paper, that they have at the backup four spot. Right yeah. now, it seems like this is going to be Josh Hart's job, but on a secondary level, what we saw early in the preseason is Jericho Sims getting looks yes. there and a twin towers look. And I believe with Tom Thibodeau's penchant for, he wants rim protection. He wants rim protection at, at all costs. So if that means putting Mitch out there, you have Hart and sign and Sims. I think Sims and Hart seem to be put, are going to be put in at that four in that four rotation, depending on the matchups and what's needed on a given night. And so for that final roster spot, I would have hoped or or thought that a guy like Nathan Knight may have gotten it, right. you know, power forward who they got on the two-way contract from the Minnesota Timberwolves. But I'm almost thinking that it, it goes to Archie Diacono. And right. if they have to go, you know, get a guy off the free agent heap in the, in the middle of the season, maybe he's the, guy, the first guy that gets cut. He's usually the guy that gets moved around when they have to make a roster move anyway. And so yeah. I, I think he'll, he'll get that spot and that backup four rotation becomes Hart and, and probably Sims. I tell you what, I, I've been so maybe irrationally intrigued by Dylan Windler. Mm. And as, as a guy, you know, and maybe that's my NBA draft background kind of dipping in sure. there, having sure. followed him um, in college and, and the, the whole thing in Cleveland, the guy just was always hurt. Now, maybe that's the reason why maybe Nick shouldn't give him the spot. But like 
he just to me he brings shooting. He's small-ish, but like I think in small ball matchups, you can get away with him playing at the four a couple of minutes. Like I when I signed him, I was like, oh, this guy actually could maybe like be a not a difference maker, but could he win a random game in you know December or March when they're just yeah. trying to get through the rest of the season? Like I I could have seen that because of the way he could shoot the ball and how versatile he is offensively. But yeah, what do you feel about that Sims back back and forth thing? Because I I hate it. Like it just yeah, seems I, I don't like it. They they play they play five on four offensively when they have that. I thought it was interesting checking out some of this T Wolves game. You know, Hartenstein hit a three in the corner, and I almost think the only chance they have of that working is if Hartenstein really kind of becomes the stretch five in those lineups. They play yeah, yeah. five out essentially with Sims maybe being the only guy in, maybe four out with Sims as the role man. But they don't really do that. Like they yeah. like they kind of play kind of like an amoeba kind of game where anybody's out there. And there are times with Sims in the corner wide open, and he's getting the ball and he's dribbling to dribble handoffs because nobody's respecting him as a shooter. When is Sims gonna give this up? Like this is this is not a good idea. It never worked last year. It's not working in preseason. It's never gonna work, right? Man, this it, it's not a good idea, man. I do not like the idea at all. But this is Tibbs. Like I said, he's going to want his rim protection out there. Yeah. When the Knicks go out there and play bigger teams, he's when they play the Milwaukee Bucks, you're going to see those guys out there, man. And I'm telling you, man, the guy that I've wanted on this Knicks team for like three or four years now, and he's bounced around maybe like two or three teams since then, was was like a guy like a Kelly Olynyk. Yeah. Like the name doesn't really stand out, right? You know, Knicks fans hearing this, like, what are you talking about? But like you watch him in FIBA. That is the guy I, I wanted to th- them to get him before they got Hartenstein. Right. A no, guy that really. can stretch the floor, right. a guy yeah. that can pass. You know what I mean? Like defensively, he may not, he, he's he's gritty, right? He's mm-hmm. he's not a rim protector in, no. in, in a Thibodeau sense, but a guy that can certainly stretch the floor. He's a smart player, high IQ player, has a relationship with RJ and can shoot the three. That's a guy I would even look at it. I mean, he's he's making he's in the he's in the final year of his deal at $12 million. So contractually uh, what the Knicks it may not work in terms of salary matching if they were to, to call Utah and and engage in a trade yeah. but that's that's really the guy that uh that I would love on this on this Knicks roster man it, it's a Kelly Olynyk type because the Sims thing while you hope he's going to get boards and certainly rim protection and get you some maybe some vertical spacing there it's going to be clunky anybody and, slicing yeah and as, as much as I love Sims and I I mean Sims might be one of my favorite second round draft pick Knicks have ever made like because I, I not knowing the Knicks were ever going to draft this guy doing prep for that draft I absolutely love the kid so I'm so happy he's a Nick but the one thing I don't really think about with him is honestly rim protection like he's not really a shot blocker yeah. right like, he's, he's short he's um he's about 610 like barely um yeah he kind of has short arms the guy can jump to the moon right but he's just not really a rim protector so every time Tib says well I need rim protection like I don't really get it. Like he's a yeah. bigger body and he's athletic. Yeah, so I think that's he's, more he's, so what he is yeah. and what he's looking for. He he wants size out there. Yeah, and like and like he can rebound and and yeah. and yeah. I think that he's great on switches. Like you know he guarded Jamal Murray and they won a game with him. I sold on Jamal Murray. That's one of me to me one of his best traits. His ability mm-hmm. to switch off on guards a lot. They don't mm-hmm. actually they still play a switching defense, so he actually doesn't get to flash that enough. But mm-hmm. like playing him at the four and thinking you're going to get rim protection. I'm just like, I don't know what he's talking about. Like, yeah, this didn't work at Texas. Texas played Kai Jones and, and hopefully Kai Jones gets whatever help. He yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. Um, but he, they played Kai Jones and Sims together and it didn't work then. Like that team mm-hmm. uh, was talented and they got bounced. Like, I don't know why they think in the NBA, a game that is more spacious uh, to where you need more shooting, that this is going to work here. I, I don't get it. And yeah. he seems hell-bent on trying to make it work. It, it's going to be rough, man. It, it's going to be rough. I, but it's going to be interesting <laughs> to see how they play it out. I just don't yeah. see any, any of those two-way guys uh, getting converted for that last spot. I think they go with a guy like Arch Diakono, a guy who you know they'll want to practice around, a leader. He's good with the locker room. He, he's he's a Theo Pinson of this year, right? <laughs> and then yeah. the reality is in the 10-man rotation – the last guy is really not going to matter anyway. And may, right. hey, maybe in the in the G League, uh, a Dylan Windler and and a Nathan Tucker. I mean, a Nathan Knight. You know, improve and knock on wood. You don't have injuries, but if that happens, hopefully they'll be ready. Yeah, I, it's funny when I saw Arsenal go got the 
got a rest day for a preseason game. I was like, oh, it's going to him. I've never seen that before, man. A guy who's right. uh, trying to make the team, right. allegedly, right. is getting a rest day. Yeah. I would have thought that this would be a time where he actually gets work in a preseason yeah. game. So I was like, that's not good. If I was that might be a clue. You know, that might be a clue, been, man. Yeah, I would have been livid. I'm like, what yeah. do you mean a rest day? Like, I, I don't know. So, yeah, I agree. I think Arch is going to be the, the guy most likely. They were really excited to bring him back reportedly. So, so we'll definitely see. I'm I'm probably more fascinating than I should be about the final roster. Only <laughs> how the Knicks maneuver it. They, yeah, they, yeah. They, they know every little nook and cranny with the salary cap and how you can maneuver things. So they yeah. cut guys, bring guys back. So I think that, well, I will say, I think that roster will be very fluid. Uh, yeah. Arch will well, have the start season, but he end up, it may end up being a lot of different guys. I think I'm like you, man. Like every year, you, you want to see, like, is there a hidden gem in the back half oh, of the yeah. rotation, right? Like, McBride yeah. has been kind of trying to get that role, but we know this series it's going to be a lot of DMPs for him. But every year, whether it's, you know, when we when we were in that point guard drought, I oh, I know that was me. It was like every young guard that we try to bring in, like a Torrey Murray, you're like, oh, man. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> oh, it's, man. It's the guy that's going to really, yeah. like, you know? So it, it, it happens, man. It's part of It's part of having that orange and blue blood. There you exactly. Go. Hey, yeah, I got to make that a drop. There you, <laughs> go. there you go. CP, CP, the franchise joins us here on Orange and Blue Bloods. So uh, there was some interesting tea that really spilled out of that game from Saturday beyond just the final score. So first, yeah, yeah the New Jersey native Carl Anthony Towns greeted very warmly by Nick Sprass uh, during this T-Wolves trip to the city. Apparently the hatchet between him and Tibbs has been buried. Tibbs calling Towns as talented as they come. Uh, you had Town saying Tibbs is one of the best X's and O's coaches he's ever played for, that the beef they had years ago was deaded during a conversation they had man-to-man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you had that, what kind of became a viral clip of, you know, Cat running on the on the court, and it seems appears like Leon Rose calls him over, maybe he recognizes Leon is there, sitting there with uh, Gerson Rosas, new yeah. vice president of the Knicks, uh, James Dolan, owner of the Knicks, sitting right there, and they come over, they shake hands. Uh, James Dolan did not stand up, which uh, some people thought was interesting. But uh, but they all shake hands and they have a warm greeting there. So people wondering, what's going on with that? Is there any interest there? And then you had uh, Rudy Gobert, who really kind of unloaded on the Knicks, kind of on the flip side, talking about their handling of Evan Fournier, saying essentially it was disrespectful. Uh, he said that you know yeah. Fournier is the best shooter on the team and that, uh, that he can contribute. And the way the Knicks have handled things has been unfortunate and, as I said, uh, disrespectful. In his words. So uh, first on the Fournier aspect, do you think that there has been any aspect of this that has crossed the line of being disrespectful? I feel like uh, one of the things Gobert talked about was lack of communication, potentially, which we kind of heard a little. We've heard with Tibbs before. We heard it with Kemba Walker. Um, I feel like we've heard it with other guys in the past. Like, I guess Derek Rose. Yes, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, I think maybe even Alfred Payton in the playoffs in 2021. Uh, it seemed like, you know, some of the tweets going on from probably Peyton's family. Maybe it's just like there was something not really communicated well with how they handled him. Do you think that the Knicks have handled this poorly with Evan Fournier? Yeah. No, not necessarily. I mean, they certainly cut the check, right? The, 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 checks, the checks are clearing whatever they come in. So <laughs> that is it right. can't be that bad, right? I mean, yeah. he's getting paid to, to ride a scooter into the garden every night and, and chill out on the bench. But look, Gobert go sticking up for his friend as he should. Even though it's yeah. quite rich that he's talking about, you know, disrespectful things when this is a guy who they accuse of spreading COVID around for his whole team. So yeah, or, or punched his teammate on the on, right. the, on the bench last year. Right, right. <laughs> so that, that's very rich. But he's sticking up for his friend. But look, the, the the business side of the NBA, it's an ugly business, man. It's a very ugly business. Like I remember when I had Langston Galloway on my show, and we talked about the fact that there was one off season where he signed with his hometown New Orleans Pelicans. He's from New yep. Orleans, signed a deal with them in, in over the summer. And by February, they shipped him off to the Sacramento Kings. And this is when the Kings were still bad. So this is like the equivalent of going to the wall in like Game of Thrones. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a yeah. very ugly business. <laughs> look, yeah. look what happened to Raymond Felton when he first signed with the Knicks. And then they trade him yeah. for, for Carmelo. So in Fournier's case, look, we need defense on this team. Is Could his shooting be used? Absolutely. Is the way that this roster is built – it's kind of clunky in a way that, you know, you don't want to leave yourself too exposed if you put him out there. I can understand Tibbs' issue. It's a, it's a tough business, man. And is Tom Thibodeau, like, the relationship-driven head coach? No. And I thought there was a reason why they kind of fortified him with the people that they did when he first got here. 
it was worldwide west you had uh um the guy who went to louisville tony uh, Payne. Kenny oh yeah Payne. yeah yeah Kenny, yeah, Kenny Payne. Payne. Yeah. Payne had the relationship with all the guys it was mike woodson yeah. mike woodson was always right. a player's coach so I thought that the reason why they did that was because of the issues that Thibodeau had with relationships with the Timberwolves, with the Bulls. So they did that. Look, with, with Fournier, they're either going to use his contract to trade for a bigger star or, you know, does he get sent home? I don't think it, it's I think he'll be more professional than that. But I, I don't necessarily think that they handled it in a wrong way. It's, it's a tough business, man. It's a it's a next man up league. And whatever the coach feels like the team needs, he's going to play those guys. Look, he did that to Derrick Rose. I mean, that's a basketball equivalent yeah. of his son. Right. <laughs> right. So yeah, <laughs> it's, it just is what it is, man. Yeah. With Fournier, it just, look, I, I Fournier to me is a, I think he's a hooper trooper. I think he loves playing basketball. I don't think he's a guy yes, that wants yes. to just, there are plenty of guys that'd be fine just collecting a check. Collecting, and, and absolutely. Being, being good. Yeah. I think he's a guy that wants to play. I think he loves playing the game. I think he feels like he, I think in his heart he feels like he can contribute to winning. And as someone who loves basketball myself, I respect that. And I could see where Rudy Gobert from the outside saying a team that lacks shooting has a guy who set the record for three pointers made in franchise history. How does he not get any burn? But we watch the games and we see what happens when Evan Fournier plays extended amounts of time. Like right. that season that he hit all those threes, Knicks didn't win Jack. <laughs> they had a terrible year. And what we saw in FIBA, uh, he played really well. He shot the ball really well. His plus minus numbers were dreadful. Yeah. And Scott bounced early. He, it just doesn't appear that he's a player that really impacts winning at all. It, it, he's a guy that can fill a, a check a box, you know, where he can, okay, three pointers made, baskets. Like he can give you that, but he's not really providing anything else. He's not making anybody else better. And he got beat out. Like, Quentin Grimes yeah. is a better all-around player than him. Josh Hart is a better all-around player than him. And they shrunk the rotation, so there's just no need to have him out there. So I like, I don't think it's been disrespectful. I, I know that people harp on, oh, there should be communication or whatever. Like, I don't know. Like, Fournier is not a dummy. Like, he knows basketball. He knows what yeah. his box, his plus-minus box score is. He knows how the team is playing when he's out there. It's not a rocket science. He knows what the fans are saying. Fans yeah. were calling for him to be out of the rotation – like in training camp last year, right, like I, right. I wasn't calling for me out of rotation, but I was living that he was named the starter. I thought that was ridiculous. So yeah. like to be naive and just be like, oh, I don't know how this happened or where this is coming from. It, it, it is a little ridiculous to me. Um, By the way, I, I, we just got word from Tom Thibodeau about how he feels about how he's handled uh, uh, you know, Evan Fournier. I want to make sure I play it here. My actions don't require any defense. In the same situation, I do it again. Okay, that was not Tom Thibodeau. <laughs> that, was Bat- that was Batman. Oh. <laughs> that was not Tom Thibodeau for those listening. That that was Batman. Um, but I don't know. It just it just feels to me like uh, it's going to be a thing as long as Fournier is on the team. I agree. I don't think that they send him home. I I think he may want to go home. I, I th- he talked about yeah. there was hatred with the Knicks. I I think that he really is fed up. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if he suggests it. I don't think Knicks will send him home. I think that yeah. Tibbs is kind of an old school guy. Um, they they're a relationship front office, but I think they're kind of an old school front office as well. Like I think they're more traditional than maybe people think. So I don't think they'd want to send a guy. Home. I don't think Dolan wants to send a guy home who's just collecting money. I right. I can't I imagine. He, I don't see that. Yeah. I can't imagine. He I don't see that. With that. Yeah. yeah. So I think I think Fournier is going to be asked to be on the bench and be ready to play. And what we saw last season is like when there are injuries, he usually is the first guy up, and he should be. Like of like I don't yeah. love him on the team. I don't think he contributes all that much, but like. He can shoot. The team does need shooting. And we saw in the random game where RJ, you know, got sick right before the game. Against right Philly before the game. He steps in, steps in and he played fantastic. And he was shooting yeah. the ball great. So um, so I think that's kind of his role kind of coming into the season. Mm-hmm. On Crosby Towns, do you think, one, do you think that there is real love there or interest there from the Knicks perspective? Because the way I see Crosby Towns and that fit in, Minnesota, it just feels like it's inevitable. Like he is the guy that has to be moved. Gobert yeah. is unmovable because of his contract. And the Edwards is a superstar. I'm not going to move him. So Cat would be the guy to move. But his contract is, I think, horrendous. And I don't know if people really understand just how much money he's making. Do you think that the Knicks have real interest in Quantity Towns? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just based on the relationships um, mm-hmm. between Leon Rose, Tibbs, who he said he passed things up with. 
uh, Julius Randle, who I, I don't think would even be here in a, in a town, theoretical town trade, but but you never know. Uh, World Wide West, like, you know, the, the relationships are there. And in the NBA, a player of that caliber, we're, we're not, I'm not going to diminish what Carl Anthony Towns is as a player. Right. A player of that caliber is going to garner some level of interest around the NBA. Now, at what price? I think that's left to, to to be seen, right? Like, where is he on their priority list? I don't think he's at the top. I think Embiid is certainly at the top. Right. But I would have to think that the Knicks would be interested in a Carl Anthony Towns acquisition, just depending on the price and how that team would look. And that's my, that's my concern with a potential Towns acquisition is that you already have Jalen Brunson, who's a poor defender. You have Julius Randle, who's not a consistent effort defender and then you bring in a carl anthony towns who's the same and even though offensively you love his game of course he can space the floor and open things up but if you if your core three and let's say you even swapped out julius randall and and now you have towns rj and brunson as a as a theoretical core that's still average to below average defensively i think that's too many pieces of your core that that are weak defensively like how far could you really go with a team like that I don't think it's that far. The Knicks' next acquisition has to be strong on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I, I'm so out on Quanti Towns being a guy yeah. that would make a sense for the Knicks to go after. I'm torn on whether or not the interest is real because those those connections are real, and as soon as uh, those those ties are real, and as soon as Leon was hired, you know the article was coming out, and they're naming the former CAA or current CAA yeah. guys who were in the NBA, and Quanti Towns got named. Like it, almost immediately, as soon as uh, the, the Knicks uh, hide Leon Rose, in part because of their relationship, but in part because uh, you know Carl Anthony's ties to the area. Mm-hmm. So I'm torn on I'm torn on that because that does exist. But then I look at the Knicks and how frugal they've been with the money they've given out. I feel like almost every almost every they've gotten guys who were um, essentially kind of I don't want to say discount guys but i don't i don't feel like anybody's really taking them to the to the to the brinks truck with any kind of crazy contracts or most of the guys that they're signed they have signed either fair market value deals or deals yeah. i was you know got a really great deal yeah. like Ponzi towns you're talking about a guy who's you know coming up in the last year of his current max contract and he's entering a super max contract where you're talking about upwards of 49 million 2025 53 million 2026 57 million 2027 61 million in 2028. And I know that's a player option that I can't imagine whoever turned down. 68. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And 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 the one thing I hate when I hear CP is people will say, Well, wait till the DVT comes in. Wait to see what the salary cap looks like. Mm-hmm. We just dealt with John Wall, Russell Westbrook. How many guys did we deal with where they got these big deals? And that's the the good players, they you know mm-hmm. guys that injured and guys that you know they didn't live up to the contracts by the end. But then there, you know, there's the Joe Noah, some famous guys. There's a bunch of other guys in there. Like how many of those guys existed where we said, well, the salary cap will go up, so it's not going to be a problem. And then those guys were unmovable almost yeah. three years into their contracts. I think the thing that would scare me about crying me down for a guy who has missed a lot of games, he gets hurt a lot. Um, I would be concerned about a his health and b if you realize that he's not it. And you already try to upgrade that position, let's say, even who's taking on that contract. That would be my biggest yeah. concern with making a deal for him. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of those numbers, especially in the future years, seem to be in range of, of what you can expect the next level of max contracts are going to be. I mean, right. Jalen Brunson's next deal, he's going to be making double yeah. what he makes right now. Uh-huh. You can expect if, if, if they believe that Jalen Brunson is going to take another leap and he truly does. He's easily going to be in the $50 million a, a year range. So yeah. that deal for Cat may not be that astronomical as you look into the future years. And then again, where the salary cap is and then what percentage of the salary cap is is, is his current number. So it, for me, it's it's not necessarily the, the financial aspect of it. It's the overall fit. And is this the guy that I want to pair off young talent and assets for – if he's not guaranteeing to take me to the, to the NBA finals and the NBA championship, they're in a tough spot, even though they have the war chest to go get a player, it has to be the right guy. And, and, and of course at, at the right price, Carl Anthony towns for me, just, just isn't it. I mean, with the team that they have in Minnesota, they should be doing a lot better 
than, than they are. If, if Carl Anthony Towns is indeed that guy, right? I think Anthony Edwards, many people expect to take another step and, and he's certainly the future of the NBA, but the, the Gobert pairing was to me, nonsensical in, in terms of the acquisition and then putting all their chips in the middle to go get him. that he's making a lot of money. They have to go pay McDaniels and Edwards just got a lot of money. So, Sooner and sooner or later, they're going to be creeping up on that second apron, and they're they're going to want to ensure Minnesota ownership with Alex Rodriguez and the like. They're going to want to have want to make sure that if they're going to be paying luxury tax and suffering under those restrictions of a second apron, they want to make sure that they have a champion, a true championship contender on the floor. So I don't see a, a Towns being put on the block just yet. I I think that Minnesota will intend to kind of see this. Go bear investment through, see how they play together with another year of growth from Anthony Edwards with McDaniels and the like, and then maybe make a, a few decisions. Maybe it's next year or the year after. Uh, I just don't think a, a town's trade is imminent. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to follow, given so many ties from the Knicks side to Towns, Towns to the Knicks. Knicks lose on Saturday, but they play Tuesday night against the Celtics. Again, if you've not listened, watched that game yet, you know, uh, that game will be happening later tonight. If you've already watched it, we'll have more on that later in the week. Uh, I do want to shift gears, though, to what has been one of the more bizarre situations I've seen following the Knicks during my lifetime, which is saying a lot, but it, it is what it is here. So you got the Raptors now striking back at the Knicks in their dispute over scouting data that was collected by a current Raptors employee who used to work for the Knicks. So the Raptors filed a motion asking for the Knicks complaint to be handled through league arbitration and the federal lawsuit to be dropped. The Raptors lawyer, lawyer said this in the filing, quote, this baseless lawsuit is a public relations stunt by the Knicks, it has no business wasting judicial resources given all the all-encompassing arbitration clause in the party's government agreement. Unless they reverse course and accept the jurisdiction of the NBA commissioner as the parties agreed, the Knicks have chosen a form that would likely not even be able to commence substantive proceedings until after uh, the upcoming NBA season concludes and not ultimately re be resolved until the 20, 2025 at the earliest. So, at Issue are the actions of uh, Ik Shiwuku, and apologies if I'm pronouncing that name wrong. Ozatom on Ozatom, he was a former Knicks employee. He was hired by the Raptors this summer, and he's accused of taking thousands of what the Knicks are calling confidential files, including play frequency reports, prep book, vo uh, video scouting files, and opposition research. Um, the Knicks say that quote uh, he conspired to use. Uh, the Raptors conspired to use uh, his position as a current Knicks in insider to funnel proprietary information to the Raptors, helping them organize, plan, and structure the new coaching and video operations staff. So according to the lawsuit that the Knicks filed, the cybersecurity team with the Knicks identified what it deemed a theft, and the records stolen uh, were apparently accessed, uh, assessed, or accessed, I guess that's the word. I don't know why I can't say that word right now. Uh, 2,000 times by the Toronto Raptors. So... Raptors say that information was public, uh, basically publicly accessible and that anybody could have got it. So we we heard the Knicks side this summer and mm -hmm. I was very fascinated um, when we talked about it a bunch on this show. And we now hear the Raptors kind of point, essentially saying that there it's a publicity stunt and that the information that they got was very publicly accessible. Do you buy the, the Raptors counterpoints or saying that the Knicks yeah. uh, uh, lawsuit is essentially frivolous? and that they should have went through leaks channels and been through arbitration with Adam Silver? I think they certainly can make a case, you know, not, not being a legal analyst or having a legal background. I think they could make a case. And based on the people who I spoke to, I spoke to Amin El Hassan of, uh, of the Dan Lambertard show, also a yeah. former front office member of the Phoenix Suns. He didn't seem to believe that the information that was transferred and accessed was proprietary necessarily in, in nature. Uh, the the application in question, which is Synergy, I've had access to it. Now I don't know if if NBA scouts or or you know video coordinators have you know additional features that that the common man may not have. But from what I've seen, yeah. it, it seems like a harmless tool. So is this just Dolan having an axe to grind? Certainly possible. I, I think it's certainly possible. And I think the reason why the Raptors want to push for the commissioner to address it is because it would be understood from an NBA operation standpoint or a team operation standpoint that the nature of the content doesn't 
it doesn't uh, it, it, it doesn't need any type of litigation or things of that nature, right. right? Maybe the NBA may say may deem it just public information, as Raptor said. However, as as a former cybersecurity guy, there could be still a case from a legal standpoint where the Knicks still have legitimate standing if, like, let's say if the Knicks had classified that information still as confidential, right? right? right. Different organizations will classify their data in a different way. Your organization may classify your files as public. Mine might say this is top secret proprietary. And if I ask you as an employee, require you as an employee to sign non-disclosure agreements, confidentiality agreements, acceptable use policies with the, for, in, in terms of how you use our assets, all right? And the Knicks are alleging that he used company email to send out right. the files. Again, not being a legal analyst, but it's possible a court could say, well, if the, if the Knicks say this is confidential and you sign the agreement that you wouldn't disclose that information, he could be on the hook. And right. so that's, that's why I think the Raptors are trying to push it to the NBA to handle because the NBA would probably see it like most in the NBA are seeing it as, you know, this is, this is public information. Yeah. And that's, I think and I, I agree. I think that's why they're, they're pushing for this because I think if you do get into more of a legalese battle, I think that there are, you know, the, the Knicks lawsuit makes this sound very sinister. You know, a guy gets hired, uh, an organization, you know, that just hired a new coach who's never been a head coach in the NBA um, all of a sudden, hires a guy from the Knicks, and now stuff that the Knicks had is being uh, accessed and downloaded a bunch of times <laughs> over yeah. in Canada. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. even like a Canadian espionage. It almost looks like feels like sounds like a Canadian espionage the way the Knicks wrote up this lawsuit. It, it, it does, it does, it is fascinating to kind of see from the outside. I think for me, one of the things I'm having trouble with with the Raptors side is if you're going to say, well, this is publicly accessible information, it's easily accessible. Well then, why is this guy with the Knicks right? Uh, why do you want doing it? this? Why why yeah. are you doing this? Right. Like now, right. It, right. if you want to say, well, you were impressed with how the Knicks operated last season, whatever. I mean, okay, but then that would suggest that there is some benefit to the Knicks being quote unquote targeted, and maybe that's a harsh term. The Raptors wouldn't want to say that, but maybe there's something to the Knicks being targeted as to why they're the team uh, you're hiring from in terms of getting uh, a new video staff member in there, and they're the team that you're getting the information from. It just seems kind of insane to me from the Raptors side. And I've, if I was a Raptors fan, I wouldn't be like, I'd be like upset. I mean, I'm being honest. I'd be upset the Knicks that this is happening. Yeah. But I would feel a little weird for my team being like, we don't have a synergy account. Like, right. you have a synergy account, CP. What's I have a synergy our account, guy? CP. What's up with our staff? <laughs> yeah, our staff doesn't have CD. Like, like, okay, the Knicks are saying that their information is like in-house and it belongs to the franchise. Why can't we just keep the stuff we ever had? Did Nick Nurse not use Synergy or like that right. staff? Like, what yeah. have they been doing this whole time? Like, yeah, that would raise a lot of questions that maybe they don't want to answer, which is why I think they want this to definitely get out of court because the Knicks wanted to paint this new head coach of the Raptors as the most novice. They made, yeah. they wanted to make him sound like he was a, a guy who they pulled from Rucker like Park. a JV coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, like the guy that was at uh, you know uh, Bishop Sycamore. Yeah, and then yeah. making him into an NBA head coach. That's what they. That's how they painted him. Right. And I'm not saying he's that at all. We don't know. We got to see how he does this season. But that would that it is weird. I just it's just it's just weird that that this is stuff that they don't already have that they're saying is easy accessible, but yet they're taking two thousand files from the Knicks. It doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense, man. But I'm fascinated to see what happens again. As a guy who's in that in that field, uh, I'm very curious yeah. to see how, how this ends, man. But one thing I can tell you is not going to happen is an OG Ananobi trade to the Knicks. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think that is all off between the yeah. bad blood and the Bar Bargnani trade, the mellow trade. Ujiri and and Dolan are sworn enemies right now, man. I don't I don't see it. No OG to the Knicks, man. I don't see it. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. My guy Tommy Beer, he would always talk about hoping for OG to be a Nick, and <laughs> I I've just I've always been off the OG. I knew he's a Nick train. I I don't really understand some of the obsession with it, but like that is not happening now. There's <laughs> no chance that these teams will will work together on any kind of deals moving forward, at least for the time being. Not while Masai Jerry is definitely running the team, probably not as long as James Dolan is the owner, honestly. I think that this is going to be kind of a blood feud, which honestly, like, I think this is 
kind of great for the NBA. I know this may sound kind of crazy, but like we don't have rivalries. We don't have black don't bad have rivalries, blood. Man. You know the players yeah. like they they all they, they change teams a bunch. A lot of these guys work out together yeah. in the off season. Yeah. A lot of these guys play on the same AU teams growing up. So we don't have organizational black but bad blood. We rarely have team bad blood. So I'm all yeah. for division rivals. Yeah, acting like division rivals. Like like this is how it should be. Like the fact that Al Davis was like going, you know, hell and high, hell and high water against the NFL, against other teams. Like that made the NFL great. That's what kind of, uh, you know, maybe didn't help those cities that he was moving teams from LA and, and Oakland. But like in terms of the interest in the league, I think that yeah. it actually added something. So I think this is absolutely great for the league. I want to ask you one thing, last thing on this. Mm-hmm. Why don't you think the league stepped in? Do you think the Knicks just kind of just went kind of rogue and said, all right, we're going to court and we're not even going to talk to the league. The Knicks, yeah. I think according to Ian Vegas, original court said that they did reach out to the league and I guess there was no action or there wasn't enough action. Why don't you, why do you think the league let yeah. this get so far? You know, I'm, I'm not so sure. I'm, I'm really not sure. And a lot of it was surprising because even when it first came out, it was the athletic that put it out in regards yeah. to the lawsuit. It was Fred Katz, it was Mike Vorkanoff, and, and there was one additional writer, I, his name is slipping my mind. It was them that put it out. There was no Woj report. There was no Shams report. You know, those guys are on top of it first. <laughs> so it was a little interesting that those guys are quiet on the matter, and now this thing is going through the courts. I'm not so sure why the NBA chose to uh, to, to pass up on it, but it could be punted back to them. We'll, we'll see. And I, I just thought, and I've been critical of Adam Silver for a while now, and I thought just his response was was bizarre to me, which has been par for the court for him, to me, be honest. But he just kind of sounded just aloof, like he didn't, like he knew only what was in the lawsuit, yeah. Which seems insane. Like if, if the team said they came to you with stuff, and you're saying, "Well, I know is what I saw in the lawsuit," like that didn't seem to jive. And now, you know, one of the things I know. Tommy said when he was here and, and my brother who also ironically works in video work and scouting work. So he was a great resource to, in, the, in the NFL to talk about like what this stuff is, is and, and mm-hmm. how sinister. So, so, what, so what did he think? What did he so think? He, he, he thinks that this is a big deal. He thinks oh, wow. that like, he thinks that not necessarily that the information is so crazy, mm-hmm. but the fact that another team what a guy who was currently working there. Cause I think that that's the thing. I think this timeline is interesting. And I think that's what, mm. that's what the Knicks are trying to point out. Like they're saying he was on the Knicks staff and then he was recruited by the Raptors. Mm. And that's when he started copying these things. He's saying, if you're doing that, preparing to leave for another team and then mm. and you do that before notifying that you got offered a job by the Raptors. The timing, he that, timing. He said, that timing, he said, that timing is, is, uh, is, is interesting. He said that timing is something that, he thinks that if that happened in the NFL, that they would be major problems as well. Wow. So wow. now that's the NFL. The NFL, they run their teams like the military. So yeah. Yeah. I would totally expect that they would say that, yes, that's you know classified information. I, that's what I would expect. Maybe the NBA doesn't – maybe other NBA teams beyond the Knicks don't run their teams that way. But, but yeah, he, he thought that it was a big deal. And, and that, I thought, was an interesting perspective from someone who you know, does videos, filing – uh, mm. you know filing of scouting reports like that's what he 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 did you know in the nfl so mm. so i i i think from that perspective it's, it's important to 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 think of why the knicks are doing this and why they're so uh hell-bent on this mm. it's a very interesting note but yeah. I, before i get you out of here cp i i wanted to, i want to got get you on the record here so yeah um how, what do the knicks do this season where where how do they finish in the east where do they finish in the playoffs what, how does this whole season shake out in your eyes? I'm going to go 48 wins. I'm going to go 48 okay. wins. I'm going 48 wins again. And uh, I think that'll be good for the fourth seed. Fourth seed, Nate, and they advance past the first round? Yeah. I, I think they get past the 4-5 matchup, which – who do I put there? I think it'll be a rematch. Well, could it be Cleveland? You know what? I'll keep the opponent. I'll keep the opponent out of it. I okay. think the Knicks will finish fourth. 48 okay. wins. I think with the home court, they get out of the first round and lose it again competitively in the second round. Okay. All right. All right. That's what I'm going. That there he is. CP the franchise. Again, catch him on Knicks Fan TV, where he's a, a creator, founder, and host. Also, check out the NBA report on YouTube as well. Check out his shows on WFAN. Check out his shows on Sirius XM 
NBA Radio. Check out his spots on the series, XM NBA Radio. Uh, CP, I cannot thank you enough for doing this. This has been fantastic. Let people know where they can follow you social media-wise. Sure, EJ, definitely appreciate the time, man. Had a great conversation. Uh, at Knicks Fan TV on all social media platforms, including YouTube, and at CP The Franchise on all platforms as well. And then, as you said, the NBA Report. We are at the NBA Report on YouTube as well, man. So thanks again for having me on. Absolutely. So again, this has been Andre Blue Bloods, the New York Knicks podcast and Odyssey WFN Original is a podcast you can get wherever you get your podcasts, including the free Odyssey app. Be sure to hit the auto-download feature on your streaming service to get these episodes every time we drop. Also, be sure to check us out on YouTube as well. So if you're listening to this episode, you're like, hey, I want to see CP and EJ rapping here. You can go to the YouTube channel. It may not be up initially, but use it the day after. Uh, the full episode will be up. We also post shorts from the episode as well. So uh, check us out on the WFN channel. That's where you'll find the uh the, the full podcast and get shorts from the episode so want to follow me you can follow me ej underscore Stewart on twitter action ej on instagram tiktok and threads i want to thank you guys so much i want to thank cp once again for joining me for cp i'm ej thank you guys peace